Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. All right, great. Nice. I can change the camera angle to what? <laughs> oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. Matter? No, yeah, that, that, that's great. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. Yeah. So, so, so tell me the, quickly before we get into these talk about um, education, how was the skydiving experience? Oh, it was really cool. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, so were, uh, were you terrified? Were you excited? Where was your mind at? I was, uh, I was excited to do it, but I uh, was a little concerned about the logistics behind it. So right. did, did the guy pack the bag the right way? Right. Island really, you know, flying a plane that's, that's followed all the steps to get to where it needs to be at that point, that kind of thing. And at some point, I just had to accept it. And once I did, I was calm and I enjoyed it. But it was incredible. It did was... you did you being a pilot give you any more confidence or like you know comfortability being up in the air? Uh, I I never got up in the air that fast. <laughs> <laughs> the taxi was moving, we were cooking. I'll I'll tell you something funny. It's really weird. Uh, I got in the plane. I guess I was so overwhelmed that when I sat down, the plane started going backwards. And I'm. <laughs> plane moving backwards and it wasn't really moving backwards we were sitting facing the back <laughs> like boom, boom. It's like when i get off this plane i have to ask them how does this plane go backwards i never heard of a plane that does. so i was definitely not you know in the moment but i was definitely I was gonna say yeah that definitely distracted well lot. yeah so it's hard to explain but it was very cool one uh, of the when i jumped um it was one of the most freeing moments of my life. Britt actually bought me um, the the ticket to go for my 23rd birthday. It was the first birthday gift that she bought me. Um, nice. she, she was too scared to go herself, but it was a surprise too. So I had no idea that I was going the morning that I was going. It was after a soccer game and she picked me up. She said that she had a surprise for my birthday and we're driving out to Long Island. It's about an hour and a half. And I'm wondering what we're doing. We pass a horse riding place. I thought we were going horseback riding. And then we pull into a skydiving facility. And my heart sunk to my <laughs> stomach. I started to panic. I remember putting the seat uh, all the way back. I started to lay down. And I just started to really deep breathe and say to myself, OK, this is the day. You've been wanting to do this forever. And um, now you're going to jump. And she thought that I was going to back out, but um, I ended up going through with it. And like you said, it was an amazing experience. But she did it with you. No, she didn't. She was too oh. nervous. <laughs> she let me jump out myself. One of the first birthday. Yeah. The first birthday gift she got me. She let me wow. jump out myself. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the people disappear one by one. <laughs> I looked at the guy. He goes, "That's insane." He goes, "Yeah, dude." I was like, oh, dude. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. Oh, we're gonna. I want to know you. Be prop. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> they kept. It. Yes, they 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 brought the shaka, the shaka. And then finally, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so yeah. So skydiving. I'm sure you would agree that it was one of the, the greatest learning experiences of my life. So I, I feel like that's a good transition into what I wanted to talk with you about today, which is education and learning in general. Um, for 
people listening in the future, Carlos is a, a good friend of mine, and he's also a coworker of mine. We work in the same high school together. Um, without even needing to go into the details of the subjects that we speak, uh, that I mean, that we teach. Um, Carlos, uh, how many how many years have you been teaching? This will be my 24th. Okay, yeah. yes, nice. So, so yeah, so Carlos has been teaching for over 20 years. Um, I now will be teaching, I believe this will be my sixth year. I've been in the education system for, I think, almost 10 um, four years as a para or four and a half years as a para. So I, I've always looked up to Carlos as a teacher and a mentor in the building and, and also just, you know, someone outside of the school building that I could uh, always relate to and have great conversation with. So um, something that I, I, I always think about nowadays is our experience as teachers over the last two years and how drastically education has changed. And that's something that forced me to think about learning and how learning might differentiate from um, education in, in general. So I'm just curious, your take as a teacher or just someone that's been an educator for 20 years, what's your take on that? Do you see education and school and learning as the same thing? Or have you realized that there's a difference well, let's be clear. Between have thirty years of teaching, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I will tell you one thing that's been coming up lately because you kind of left it a little open, and this is a talk that I have with my friends. You know, what do the kids want to learn? Right, and that's something somebody put up a post today on Instagram, and they, and they shared it with me, and it said, "I asked my thirteen-year-old class." Uh, you know, class full of 13 year olds, what do you want to learn? And it was NFT, it was this, you know, how to swim, how to ride a bike. And, you know, back in the day when, when I was going to school, you know, I didn't expect to learn how to ride a bike going to school, which brings up the point that now in education, it, it, we are kind of looking at education way to make a well rounded person, almost teaching the skill sets that were once taught at home. Right. I, that's the discussion. I don't know if that's really if we agree with that, but that is something that comes up often. Right. Yeah, I, I would say that's a great point, and that's something that I think about now more than ever too. When when I think about learning, even my my experience as a teacher, where I started to make sense of it myself was when I started to follow my own curiosities more, and when I started to. Um, you know, follow those and, and begin to learn in ways that made sense to me as an individual. And then once I started to work as an, uh, a special education teacher, I started to learn about, you know, individualizing education. Um, and and that's, that's where I started to differentiate the experience that a kid has in the school system and learning uh, for the sake of learning itself. Absolutely. I mean, individual, right? The, the person themselves, they learn what they want to learn. Um, the one person might respond really well to sitting in with a group of people listening and somebody else has to be put in the field and get hands-on experience. And I think it doesn't mean one way is better than the other. So has that, have you noticed that that's changed over time, like over your time as a teacher or have we gotten more familiar with that or have we 
uh, done a better job as a society to individualize education for people or are times changing so fast that it's hard for education or the system to really keep up with that? Do you think? That at our level, because we're aware of these things, advocate for experiences for the students that are real and that will get them inspired and the community they're going to want to seek to learn. That's the goal, I think. Personally, the goal of education in a school to me, before we start, okay, you want to learn what an NFT is. I think if we could have the students find out how they learn or, or that they are passionate about learning and the skill set of how to learn, then I think they'll just take off. I don't think we can keep up with them. I had a few students who were really inspired to learn and I knew a lot, but when they started going into what they wanted to learn, they kind of passed me. Right. So I was a facilitator. I, and I was still helpful and I could, I could open doors. Well, especially when it came to aviation, I had a student who, who loved aviation. I said, well, this is what you need to do to get your license. You have to study all this. And they said, well, I love it. Well, that's, that's kind of, you know, unique. Right. But there are this person had a love for learning. They have that. Then they just take off literally. Right. So, yeah. So, so I like that you said that the love for learning, when I think about the love for learning, I think about curiosity. So do you think that that's the root of it ultimately for all learning? Or do you think that the school system and education itself is important for teaching us things that we well, might not be interested in learning about or be curious about that might be somewhat essential. Okay. So I was thinking on the, about this on the way here after that, I told you it was going to take. Right. <laughs> it was a good class today. Nice. Good good. And um, so I was thinking about this. And I was saying, well, what does somebody need to learn? Right. And somebody, we have to define those, maybe a child. Right. And I, I think a child has to, believe that they can and that's a mind and they have to believe that they matter and they're just as important as anybody else and there is they're just as special as anybody else just as capable and if they believe that it's a, it's almost a nurturing process right to get them to be there i think especially living in new york i, I think there's a lot of put downs with people and and some people get it as a joke get around and everything but some people take it to heart. And, and I think that's the root. So it's a, it starts off with a mindset. I think that's important. Model a mindset so that these students can, can believe in themselves and then start to empower them so that they could start to do things they didn't know. So that they could maybe explore different things. Right. Kind of let give them, help them with that initial push, I think. And, and it's, it's, so it's important to do the core academics. I think you, right. you have to uh, you generally, I think you need specialists for, for these subjects. You know, you need people who are experts. In it. But if a student gets into a class and they love to learn and they're inspired, they, they can do it, even though it's challenging. You know, it doesn't have to be easy. Right. With, the, with that mindset, with a little help with that, then I think they'll take off. I don't know if it really is because you were tutored or you homeschooled or if you're in a private school or you're in a public school. I think they all have benefits i think the the ability to be with different people comes from a public school you're you're with people from all parts of the world all different financial levels especially in new york city right you know and you make friends and you have people that give you friction right and you have to learn how to balance and that's real life so that skill set is tremendous and you usually will have 
experts in the building. I think we're, if I were to say it, and I can't speak for the whole country, right, of education, right. people say to me, oh, you know, why don't you teach people how to do taxes? You know, I struggle with that one. Right? <laughs> First of all, they'd probably be bored, number one. Number two, you get an accountant, right, or a CPA. What would you get? Who does the taxes? See? Right. right. <laughs> then they'll say, well, it's important. I said, okay. But I don't know. I, I hate when people say like that when i when i think about what we should teach i i don't have as much experience as you do but i what i've come to is how to think not not what to think and it's hard to do that sometimes because you're teaching a subject but i think that if you're aware that we're trying to teach how to think and foster that sense of belief in in yourself like you're talking about i think that creates a strong foundation for any learner or anyone that wants to learn about anything that, that they get curious about. So I, I think that's a really good focus for the education system. But now when I'm thinking about what the focus is, I don't know if that really is the focus. Well, right? take, and they'll all disagree on how you, right. you know, agree, but they all have their own views. And I think that's the challenge as well. One, one standard we want to get the students to kind of figure out their own way. Right. Right. So now do you, do you think um, that forcing kids, I, I guess not forcing kids, but kids being forced to um, experience, you know, maybe more independent work online, uh, you know, was a good experience or it was a somewhat of like that friction could be good in some way, shape or form, or ultimately kids would benefit more from being, you know, back in person, or that's another thing that's individualized. I think I can answer that thing. I'd rather be doing this live with you in the same right. room. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I would tend to agree. Um, even, even when I think about it myself, I, I, I see some benefit to uh, education or there being some form of education being pushed online, but there is a, a human factor to being in person and having those conversations in person. So I, I would I would agree. Um, Person, so a few experiences. It's kind of if you're interested in, you have the book, you have the study material, and you could open the book, and you could read it. And some people will say be fascinated by it and they'll read the whole book. But most schools, what they'll do is they'll show you the books and they'll say we need to get you in the plane right away. And then, the plane, and then you get inspired, you get fascinated, and you and you just get home and you say, I need to hit the books, right? So there's and for me personally, I tried it the I got to a certain level and I said, I just need to read the books. I don't need to pay all this money to to fly yet. I'll just read the books and then I'll I'll hop in the plane for two weeks, learn all the, the mechanics, and I'll have my license. So I bought the whole program and the program sat there and I started to watch a couple of the the uh, segment, and then I said, "But I'm not flying. I'm losing interest." Right. Apple, I have. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that that's a very human thing. I think um, there will always be a, a an, an in person quality to learning. So so now when I think about how how learning has changed over time, so even the internet has played a huge role in how learning and education has changed over time. 
So what was what was that like? What was it like teaching without using the internet or without the kids having, you know, I mean, the access to the internet that they have today, or at least the robustness of the internet today? Well, we had... Right, they had, they had computers, but at least they, like, you know, not not supercomputers in their in their pocket. The um, reprinted every year. It was in books, right? And some of the books, of, you know, being in the science area, some of them didn't keep up with the the latest. Right. Oh, we get to expose students to some really cool new telescope pictures of the universe, you know, immediately, and right. students part of the Mars rover land actually landing. Back then we had to find a VCR and put a videotape or something. So the, it's it's learning now. If you have the interest, it's, you know. So so that that makes us as teachers even more facilitators, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have to think about the tools that are at our fingertips. I, I think about that too. But the fact that we have the internet, we're not really the bearers of information anymore. I, I think about when my parents went to school, their teacher was the bearer of information or the public library or their parents or their family members or their trusted mentor. Um, but now I have the, the internet at my fingertips and I can look up the thoughts of the greats, you know, of, of the top of the top, the cream of the crop. Um, so yep. who, who am I to assume that I'm the bearer of, of knowledge when, when you have access to that? So our role as a teacher has seriously changed because of the internet. And I sometimes don't know where that role will go in the future. Sometimes I, I see it diminishing. Um, I, I don't know if you have an opinion on that or if you've thought about that. Well, I think that we'll be doing something that you had mentioned earlier, catering individual. Okay. I think ability or as people have the ability to see that this student would benefit trying to learn this way and benefit this way. And we could kind of guide and direct them, I think, using technology as well. But I, I think we do serve that purpose for sure. And then just being a person and demonstrating, I almost feel teachers to be specialists in something for themselves. I think the students like, they appreciate if the teacher piano really well. Or if the teacher writes because they love to write. There's that saying, what is it? What's that terrible saying? If you, uh, those who, what is it? Those who can't do teach or something like that? Is that, is that the one you're talking about? Right. Because those who down the world doing it, I think, I think if we tap into the talents of the teachers, because teachers really have talents. Right. I think even, even as I'm, coaching jujitsu more with with kids i'm noticing that my jujitsu might not be the best but my ability as a teacher to communicate and to individualize instruction for the type of kid that i'm working with or the type of learner that i'm working with helps me to maybe communicate jujitsu more effectively or to teach jujitsu more effectively compared to if i was you know a more experienced belt so that's something that helped me to see teaching as a skill in and of itself. So you're right. So I think that we can tap into the potential and the abilities of teachers much, much better than what we are today. If you think about the staff that we work with, the staff that we work with, incredibly talented individuals in their in their own right, a lot of them. 
right? So, so think about yourself. You have so many different talents that I can't even begin to, to rattle them off because it, it would, it would take like, you know, 15, 15, Thanks, 20 minutes. I don't have the talent. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm sure that you've noticed your students, like you were saying, take an interest in what you take interest in when they see you're passionate about something. I think that's the key. I think the key is it could be something very, um, I don't want to say simple or basic, but it could be something that isn't over the top. And it's when a teacher is showing and they're inspired talking about how they're actually hit, I think that inspires the student and that's contagious. Either so way, what, what is it about that? That that's contagious. Do you think? That's not it. I don't know. It's a level, right? That's, that's is that the curiosity? Is that the like that spark in 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 the person that you see them come alive? Like when I'm seeing you, uh, you know, roast the coffee when you're making me coffee. I'm seeing you, you know, use the program to record the temperatures that the bean is roasting at, so that you could replicate it over time. That's me seeing you get passionate about something, and I'm then feeling passionate too about that whole process. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if I would call that curiosity or I guess maybe curiosity is a part of that, but that's something that I'm trying to figure out and I'm trying to better articulate because like you were saying, I think that if we could figure that out and we can get to the crux of that, I think we could tap into the potential of teachers and then better the experience of students and create a better learning environment and learning experience overall. Definitely. Um, yeah, so I, I, when I think about what I could do as a teacher and what role that I play, I always try to th think about like, you know, stuff that you do and, and you definitely bring in your passions to the classroom. And something that I like to do is definitely make time to get to know the kids. And that's something that you definitely do very well. Um, so what role has getting to know the individual on a personal level played in education or at least your your experience in the classroom over time it might be time that, that people want to know that they matter and if you're if you're acknowledging students as people as individuals and they get to share and they get to they feel part of what's going on and i think that's important so it could it could stem from that a lot there we can get rid we still have to what's the right mindset and is it one type of mindset which in, type what, right in in what way so so what do you mean uh mindset regarding well what, what could be a simple a simple idea that you want to instill at the students at a young age oh, oh okay yeah so so yeah so what kind of mindset i would say I would, I would want kids just to get curious about something, right? I, I don't know. I would, I would want them just to leave my class being curious about something. If I could get them interested in, in a fact or a question or have them leaving, asking themselves a question, thinking about something for a little bit longer than what they normally would have, that, that, that's, a, that's a tough one. And we have to consider students are coming from a world before they enter the classroom and are involved tough. tough. It, it might be normally tough 
might be that some something happened. Maybe a loved one had passed or big, you know, and that affects uh, affects the students a lot. So it, it is dynamic. It's, it's constantly changing. I think that's the role of the educator now to understand that. Very difficult to replace an educator with an AI or right. robot. Have to be aware of these things. Yeah. Well, this student's acting a little different today. I wonder why. And sometimes some acknowledgement without getting too into it, right? Some form of acknowledgement or maybe just a lecture cheer that person up or in a clear uh, mindset again, and then they're ready to learn. They're preoccupied. I mean, there's systems that haven't eaten, right? I was going to say, so I'm sure if a student was preoccupied or was coming from a tough home environment or hasn't eaten, right, or, or um, just doesn't have a good quality of life, I'm sure it's extremely difficult to, you know, be well behaved or, you know, be focused in class or to learn or, you know, maybe to leave inspired from Mr. Lucchese or Mr. Rodriguez's class, you know, so yeah, you're right, that that's a great point is keeping in mind where the students are coming from, because it could be drastically different than what we're experiencing. And that's why it's important to have a right. log of um, preparation uh, and a system in place to help that are in need. And I we are catering more educational system. I don't know if the public generally understands. A lot of times the educational success is measured by um, that and show the progress of these in, in that sense, right? So we we'll have the idea of standards, which are important, the idea of growth for these students. Right. Yeah, so that, that goes back to the mindset. Is, is there is there something that you did or, or that you keep in mind in particular to... I guess make up for maybe what the system doesn't do correctly or what the system can't do itself when it, when it comes to that. Are you asking about learning desire? Oh, the little things you were talking about before that I like to, to yeah. learn. Yeah. After jumping from the plane, I actually said it was nice to fall, but it'd be nice if I could understand it a little more. So I started reading about it, watching it. It'd be cool to maybe get my license. Jump. And then I'm thinking, okay, so you jump, you fall for about a minute. Okay, that's a minute. And then you want to, I have to learn how to control myself. Okay, that's a lot of jumps. It's a lot of money. And then I remember there's indoor skydiving. Mm. So I went to one of the indoor skydiving. And I, I told them, you know, I bought some time. I went in there and they said, would you like, we have a special, would you like extra time? And I said, well, let me, let me ask one of the instructors something. And they, they came out and said, is it going to be educational? Or are you just going to fly me in a circle and bring me up? And they said, well, why are you asking? I said, because I'm maybe interested in doing to get my license. I want to learn how to fly a little bit. I want to learn how to control my body. And they said, well, yeah, it'll be education. So I got the extra minutes. And then I went in, in there. And this is the toughest thing about learning for me. You're for it? Ready. And I, you might disagree. But this is what I feel like saying. I hate being new at something. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I, I, I completely agree in my own experience, but I, I guess then I would be saying that I'm incorrect myself too, because, because you've tried so many new things, right? Because you've gotten good at so many things. And, and I would say that I've definitely tried a lot of new things too, 
but you're right. There's something too. I hate, I hate being brand spanking new at something. It, it sucks. That's why jujitsu, the ultimate one, because you will get the instantaneous feedback you need. Immediate feedback. Oh, okay. Oh, right. <laughs> oh. Immediate, immediate feedback. Because if you don't learn how to get out of a tough side control or a tough mount, you're going to continue to get put in there. And then um, you, you, you'll either get uncomfortable enough to where you'll quit or you'll get uncomfortable enough to where you learn how to escape. It's, it's one or the other. And it's the same thing with the indoor skydiving. You know, you arch your back and you can't hear anything like this. And then you wiggle sideways like, no, no, no. Keep your body straight. And all of a sudden you go flying near the wall. Oh! And then, you know, all of a sudden you're panicking and, and, it, and you think I did nine minutes. So that's equivalent to 12 skydives. Wow. I'm not telling people about this because I got myself. Am I going to jump from this plane by myself? You know, <laughs> I, I want to be able to frown a little. I don't know why. Right. Uh, it's very cool. So you did that before you jumped out of the plane or, or at, at, uh, you did that I, after? Days ago, I did. Nice. So, so, um, so nine minutes. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that. So did you feel like you got a good amount of experience? Did you feel like it was similar? I feel like there's a lot to learn. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it, the coach said that I probably am overqualified to do my first solo jump now, being what I know from what he taught me. Because so they, what would they have you do? Would they do anything different? In a real jump? Yeah. Of course, you have to learn about the airport, you have to learn more about the and they teach you about jumping. But the experience I have floating through the air mostly a lot more than I would have had for that jump, which is kind of cool. And I had to stay within that little tunnel. And he was saying, you know, when you're in the air, go to the side a lot. You'll have the two flying by you. Wow. Um, and I don't know why I'm pursuing it. I'm uh, trying I was going to gonna ask you that next. So why are you pursuing this? Is it a curiosity? Is it something? Is it a fear? Is it like, do you feel fearful about it? And that's why you feel pulled no, towards it? Skydiving. It, I'm trying to figure out what the draw is. It was really cool. But there's a big draw to it. Now I'm trying to feel. I, I don't want to say the a word, but I'm trying trying to figure out is this a dick? That's what I'm trying because <laughs> it's draw to it and it's it's exciting. And would you consider your excitement about jujitsu addictive, or do you? Is it a different type of? It it is, but it's not. It wasn't as bad. This is in less than one minute. It's like what? Oh, for days, you know, you're walking it's around. Rush. It's an immediate rush. It's so out of the norm, I think. When, when it's unfamiliar, then it's such an impression. Yeah. So if you had to take a, a, a piece of that back into the classroom, do you think it's important to create some kind of like experience like that in, in the classroom or some kind of tangible experiential thing for a student to experience in order to make it real? You're asking a big question. I'm going to look at it. And I tend to ask you big questions. Try to answer to this example. They actually offer a program for STEM where you can go to class and you could fly little things to make and, and the guy will like he'll fly and the kids will get inspired by it. That's really cool. They, you know, bringing, the kids always ask me, did you ever skydive? Because I teach about gravity. I teach about free fall. Mm. And I, no, I really kind of want to. I want to, but I, I don't 
because it's just you have to give some surfer or sky your your life, right? You know. Yeah. Hey, slow down. <laughs> right. Um, so I was telling the guy when I went up, you know, my students always ask if I ever did this, and I always teach them about gravity. And I always have to say no. And he's like, well, now you can say yes, dude. <laughs> Listen, he goes, 9.8 meters per second per second. You know, and they all have nice. that. I like that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we're doing is, is the idea of experience tying into the theory as well, right? And right. I think general needs to bring experiences or open up opportunities for students for experience. I think that was the limit that comes to mind was distance learning. You and I sitting here, you know, we can't experience the handshake. Right. We can't responses of the body language that's going on. Um, I think as we talk about these things, if we go and do it. It just helps with the movement of wanting to study and wanting to learn. I, I would agree. Oh, <laughs> that was I dive move right there. I was gonna say, yeah, that, that was very apropos. Oh man, I uh, I was running out of time because I I did a cold shower after, after the jujitsu. <laughs> oh, nice, cool. Yeah, I, I think. All right, I'll just use tape, but I didn't know this tape wasn't gonna hold. So give me a second. You're all good. Another thing that we're talking about, Martin, but after this flip, I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I noticed about myself, even doing the podcast on Zoom so far, has been that me mentally, I, I only really have, you know, the attention span to stay on Zoom for X amount of minutes too. In person, I could talk with people, especially you, for hours, right? Like you and I could probably talk for three hours, and we probably wouldn't even, we we, we probably wouldn't even realize. But on Zoom, I have X amount of stamina, um, and 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 I noticed that. I sometimes will zone out and get out of the moment and think that I'm watching a YouTube video just because I'm looking at a screen. So I can't imagine having been a kid or a high school student during the last two years trying to pay attention to, you know, one of my English lessons or, you know, um, something of that nature and still pay attention or focus with the same kind of excitement or intent. So I, I, I have a lot of empathy and sympathy for kids. Um, so some, something that I'm going to try to keep in mind going forward is that experiential factor, like you're talking about, cause I think that's, that's really important. Do you mind if I hold is that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Because we're, we're going to use the audio mainly, and then I'm going to try to get the, the YouTube up soon. So, yeah. Hang on. All right. Nice. You there? Yep. My apologies. I literally went down to the minute. I said, I want to be on time, nine o'clock. And then no, you're then good. Tape, tape will do it. And then no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. So I, I, I think that experiential factor will always be really important when it comes to learning, it's especially going forward. I don't know about you, but when I think about how education and school might change in the future. I, I sometimes think that homeschooling might become a little bit more popular. I don't know how it will be structured, but I think that, you know, smaller pods might become popular. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't really know how that might work, but I could see um, people wanting to try homeschooling more. I've looked at the numbers and, and homeschooling numbers have doubled in the last, I think five years alone. Um, so, so the rates at which people are homeschooling their kids are increasing. So um, I, I don't, I don't know if you thought about that or just where or, or how the system might change in the future based on what you've seen. And I know that you're, you're very um, in touch with, you know, trends and tech trends. I think that it's a, a great question. The answer that I was contemplating while thinking about this is that it, it really depends on the individual. Some students will, some people benefit a lot from learning from home. Some people actually like to go to the school system and, and the way it's structured now. And some people would hope that the school system could be different. Ultimately, I think if we inspire the student to become a learner, right? Be respectful to, to help them understand and, and help them kind of really believe that they can do it and that they matter, which is true. You know, it, it is true. It's not a mindset everyone has, but I believe it's true that these things are the key that will help them become lifelong learners. I mean, schooling is only a few years and then um, at a certain age, they're out, right? We're out. It doesn't have to end there. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I love that you said that, that, that we're lifelong learners and, and we all really are lifelong learners. We're learning until the day that we die, but not many people believe that. I think most people think that they stop being learners after college or after graduate school, whatever, or however far their education goes. But that's a great point. We, we are learners for the, for the rest of our lives. So how would you define a learner? What would, or like, I, I think about that and I would say, you know, is it someone that's curious, someone that's willing to fail, right? I guess that would be a component of it. Someone who, yeah, I don't know. How would you define a learner? I tell people fail at something once, at least one thing every day. That's... And it can't be failing and failing to do that. That's because that's, <laughs> you know, that's the catch, right? I would, I, yeah, I was going to say, I would probably, as a teenager, I, I would probably try to find that catch. You'd be like, fail to do that. <laughs> fail to do that. Fail to fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Which, by the way, what does that mean? That's that's like relax. That, that means relax and skydiving. <laughs> no, indoor skydiving. The shaka. I, I want to say it's Hawaiian. Right. Very popular when we were in Hawaii. I, I think it just means hang loose. I think it, it's hang, like a, that's a positive like, thing, uh, though. It's like a positive thing. It's like it's like a um, it's like a hello, a goodbye. It's a very yeah, cool. yeah. It's a very general thing used. And then it's also used in the jujitsu community, which is pretty cool too. I don't know how it started to get used in the jujitsu community, but I assume it came from Brazil. Okay. Yeah, I'd be interested to look into how the Shaka went from like, you know, the surf. Oh, maybe, no, you know what? Maybe it's from the surfing community too. Maybe the overlap between the surfing and the jujitsu community. That would make sense. Right. Right. Yeah. I'd be curious to look into that. Yeah, see, and that's that's how my that's how my brain works. That's how I've been a learner my entire life. Just that right there, because that thought will then get compartmentalized into like you know the 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 future tab in my brain. And when I have fifteen minutes at some point, I'll end up researching that. So when when we're going back to 
what I could do or what I could, you know, leave my students with, I think it's that, but I'm assuming that as my teaching experience goes on, I'll develop that more too. But right now I'm at the, I hope I could just inspire kids to get a little bit curious. Well, that's, that's a big deal. If you could do that, that's going to carry a long way, you know? I mean, it might take throwing somebody out of a plane, but we're not allowed to do that. Skydiving, <laughs> right. for anyone who's uh, listening. <laughs> I think you have to be a certain age to skydive in the U.S. I, I, I want to say 18. I would assume 18. 18. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sure there are kids that are younger than 18 that would love to. but Maybe I, in other countries they do it, right? Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, the, the indoor skydiving is, is plenty fun, so... I, I where'd you go for, where'd you go for the indoor skydiving? There's two in the area. There's one in Yonkers and there's one in Paramus in Jersey. Oh, okay, nice. I, I went to indoor skydiving in Orlando. I think it was pretty cool. It was fun. I, cool. I did that. I think I did that after too. Yeah, you're right. So I did the the same thing. I did that after the real skydiving. Definitely wasn't the same thing, but it was cool to get that experience just feeling weightless. Right. And it's good practice too. If you are going to do the real thing, I think it's good to have that control of your body and the airflow. The guy that was my, uh, tandem partner when I, when I went skydiving, his name was Duncan and he was another like, you know, surfer, surfer dude, yeah. threw up the shaka a bunch long hair, super chill once he pulled the cord and the parachute opened uh, his first words out of his mouth were welcome to my office. And, no, I, and it, was just, it was perfectly cued. It gave me chills. It was completely silent after that, the entire way down. It was a perfect experience, but I, I will never forget Duncan saying welcome to my office. That was very cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, that was an incredible learning experience. I definitely learned how to let go entirely and surrender and give in and completely accept death. That was something that I kept telling people that was making them panic, but it's, it's, it's the truth. It, it was really making me accept death. I remember looking at the ground from 14,000 feet saying, there's a real possibility that my parachute won't open. Yep. There's, there's a possibility that Duncan messed this up and that this is me and <laughs> Duncan, Duncan left. Stuck something the wrong way. Or one of his friends playing a joke on Duncan that day. Right. Or Duncan <laughs> threw up too many shakas and didn't pack the parachute correctly. Yeah. Like who who knows? Who knows? But now let me ask you this, Mike. If um you became a jumper and you had three thousand jumps under you, would you start sounding like you were a surfer guy? One hundred percent. 100% because I, I feel like it forces you to become so chill and so relaxed that you, you probably just carry that energy with you all day long. So I could see why surfers might be like that because surfers have to be chill and in the moment or present enough to catch the wave. Right. So, so I, I feel like there's something right. to that. There is a little, there is an extra calmness or something about, all these um, people that I've been meeting who are skydivers for sure. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So if, yeah, if you're talking, if you're, if, if we're mentioning that learning is experiential or we're at least saying that the best type of learning or the most effective learning is, is that immediate feedback or that experiential skydiving is definitely up there 
with I just I think these are just things to accelerate learning. I would say learning is living because one way or another you're going to learn something. If if you engage and you choose to pursue something, it accelerates learning in that specific area. If if you kind of just decide you're not going to pursue anything, mm. you're going to learn something. I don't know what it'll be. It'll be a life lesson for sure. We learned that in all the areas of life. We learned that in wealth, health, and and romance, right? We learn. You know, that's it's just living. Living is learning. I like that. Yeah. And it's either by force or by choice. It's happening. <laughs> it's, not, it's happening one way or the other. Living's happening and learning's happening. But it, the cool thing is you get to kind of pick and choose sometimes. And if you know how to learn and you, you, you're comfortable with it and this know how to learn, meaning really pursue something and, and dive yeah. deeper into it, there's a certain allure. There's, a, there's an appreciation to it. How does someone learn how to learn? It's a good question. I think modeling from people who are good at it, just, just hang around with them or, or find something you're really interested and curious about, like you said earlier, and explore. Believe you can and explore and do. Do, do you think it, finding something that you're interested in by default or starting with something that you're curious about is a better place to start simply because, like we were saying before, that you need to be able to believe in yourself in order to start making progress? or in order to start growing? I think it helps a lot if you believe in yourself. I think if you don't even know what that means and you don't even understand what we're talking about, you could still be learning, right? Right. It's just um, sometimes people come to the realization that they didn't understand that they could do these things and, and they kind of just dismiss it and it, they're caught up in some kind of cycle and it's just another area of growth and we're always growing and we're all getting out of these boxes that we were once in. Sometimes people don't even think about what we're talking about. So just right. different levels of where people are at and there is no good or bad. It's just, it's just living. I think it's just what is ultimately. So what are we going to learn? We got, do you know how to dive? Do you, have you ever done scuba diving? Scuba diving. I, I have. Yeah. I, I became, Oh, then we can't I, do that. I, I became patty certified. Yeah. Are you, really? are, you, yeah, awesome. are, you, are you no i haven't done it so i haven't gone diving since i got patty certified though it it, it kind of scared me a little bit <laughs> I, I would go skydiving again before i would go scuba diving i think scuba okay. diving is, is kind of scary because it seems like you you could die a lot faster honestly or or i don't know it, it seems like the odds of dying are greater I, I would be curious to look that up too we need to know the math. We definitely have to go to the statistics. Yeah, yeah, we would have to go to the stats. <laughs> right. What do they say? One a tandem skydive. There's a death every half a million, which is very rare. That's very rare. And then out of three, three and a half million skydives a year, I think there's on. It could be fifteen to twenty deaths a year. Wow. And out of those fifteen to twenty deaths, a high number of them are people who are pushing the limits with small parachutes and doing swooping and all that okay. stuff. The, the 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 really extreme stuff that you see in those crazy videos right so it's pretty safe but it's just so out of the norm and inspiring and, and flying is pretty cool that it's wild so I'm, I'm trying to think about something so it's not skydiving um what's it gonna be you know how to ballroom dance <laughs> no that would all right be terrifying. that could be on there terrifying and Britt Brit would love that I, I, honestly she Brit might, would love it she, she might be more nervous than me how cool would it be if 
the next time, maybe not the next time, but one of these years, you know, it's like cocktail hour at some event you're at and the tango comes on and the two of you get up and you tear up the dance floor. I mean, that be- that's what I think about. And every time I sit there knowing that I don't know how to do that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I should have went to those lessons. Oh. But I do have an idea. I want to go to Argentina. Okay. Because that's where the Argentine tango is. Nice. And I want to, I want to offer my film services to make a documentary. And at the same time, for the week and a half I'm there or whatever it is, I want to learn how to Argentine tango. Nice. That's so I'll kind of barter a documentary, maybe for a school, uh-huh. make them a hype video or something. Yeah. And then learn how to do an authentic Argentine tango. You can definitely find someone that would do that. Definitely. I think that's cool. I was almost thinking about doing that this month or next month, but it's winter in Argentina. And I kind of want to feel the summer right now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. So, so what makes you want to do that? I don't know. I just, I love it. I, I did that once with a, a sword maker in Spain. I brought my camera. I was traveling through Spain and I, I went to the only, one of the last artisans that make swords, handmade swords in Toledo, Spain. And I just spoke to him a little. I said, listen, I'd like to do a little documentary. And he, and he was very humble and cool, but he had a drop that Nat Geo was there like a week earlier and did this big documentary, you know? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm just going to do a little thing. And he let me in behind the scenes. Nice. And the guys are working. They, they have missing fingers. You know, they're really authentic oh, sword makers, you know? And it was cool. Yeah, so, so it's, it's just real. Way. It's instantaneous access behind the scenes. And I always loved filming and photography because it's given me that access. Mm. And, and I could give a good product to these people. But at the same time, I'm learning so much by being in that environment that I probably would never be in. Yeah. as a uh, novice and it's, what, it's what's, cool. been, what's been the coolest experience like that as you were recording something or filming something okay so i have some good stories but a lot of these experiences because i kind of got into some some specific networks of of people who were doing big projects a, a couple of these projects that come to mind i can't even talk about they were all um okay closure work and um but it's, it's pretty cool yeah, there was there was some funny times. I got to work with some celebrities. Nice. And uh, they were really nice. And um, I get to learn and see behind the scenes. And the one thing I did learn about these people who were um, super successful financially and, and um, with celebrity status is that they were, I don't want to say normal, but they I couldn't find anything extraordinary about or just not extraordinary, but different from people I knew. They were real people. And that was shocking at the time. I'm like, these people must be working all the time. You know, they must be, but they, but what they did have was a mindset. What do you you think it is? I think it's the mindset. They just, they had a success mindset. Um, You know, that's what what you need about them. And they did have a work ethic. They did have a work ethic that's ridiculous. Like, I'm not going to put that down. I won't say, right, you know, people like The Rock, they'll say, oh, you know, I, you will not work me, you know. Right. You, you will, nobody will work I'm, I'm, I'm sure he works pretty hard. And they work pretty hard, right? So, but aside from that, they, a lot of these people believe in themselves. I think it starts so, there. I think you it's say just, that think, success mindset is simply believing in yourself? I think a big part of it is believing that you can do it because when somebody believes that they can do it, right, they're going to try. Mm. And, and then, it, of course, when you fail, you have to be the kind of person that gets up again, right? Fall down seven times, get up eight, right? right? And 
and then but believing you can do it helps with that and when these people do it they just they just tear it up i mean i think if you don't believe you can most people will never try mm. so when somebody says oh that's really hard you got to consider that all those people will never even try they, they won't try they don't believe they can so you're already past them because you're trying right, right. they have to be the person who's going to get back up again and if you could get back up again and accept the failing, accept being new, accept all that as part of the process, then I think you have a recipe that uh, is already ahead of so many people. <laughs> so there, there's so many different elements that go into it. I would say it's being courageous. It's being brave, being vulnerable, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> there's so many different things. Yeah. I mean, you could get away with a lot without doing those things, I think. But if you really want to be that next level kind of, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. you have to be vulnerable. Yes, you're going to have to do these things. I think that uh, can be challenging for for people with depending on their experiences. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't say I'm the most vulnerable person all the time. I live in New oh. York. You know? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't be in New York. Yeah, you know, I guess you can. You, you, um, you can, but I feel like there's a higher cost. And that's something that I'm learning as I'm traveling and as I'm seeing, you know, places that they'll call cities, but they're really like, you know, uh, small towns. Um, there's definitely a big difference in the way that people be on, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. And yeah, it's, it's, it's drastically different. Um, people outside of New York city, I, I feel like because they don't see people as often, they actually look at you for an extended period of time and they look to make eye contact with you oh, and they get yeah. curious and they say hello. And when they say hello, they're waiting for a response and they're looking to have a back and forth. So, so even for me traveling, this is a huge learning experience and um, yeah, I'm, I'm learning a lot about what it's like to now be outside of New York city, or at least, uh, you know, I guess being around less people, you're more interested in people. So that's, uh, that, that, that's been pretty interesting for me to learn about myself too. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it goes back to the experience thing and, and the experiential part of, of being a learner. Yeah. So, um, we're at an hour and it's getting, kind of late i don't want to hold you too long oh we're just getting warmed up yeah i know i know i know we're just getting warmed up finally forgetting that we're talking through uh, digital technology i know i know i know i'm trying to think where else we can go with this there's so many different ways yeah it's challenging there are i think the ideas that we came up or that we spoke about can really be deep dived into it would be cool to also get experts. You know, we want to hear from experts. I mean, between yeah, I, you I, and I consider, I consider you an expert, 100%. <laughs> you're, you're, a black post. You're, you're a black belt teacher. <laughs> you would have, you would be one of those black belts with like the, uh, like the really messed up white, white tape on the, uh, on, on the belt. That's right. That's right. All right. That's fair enough. That's yeah, 100%. Well, um, you know, I guess that's part of me not looking at it like that. I always want to, because you're, you're a student of life right because you're a student and and you've inspired a ton of people to do that and you've inspired me to forever stay curious um 
and, and, and never stop learning too, because you're always learning something new. There are a million different trades and skills that you have. So I, I think that's why you have students that are extremely engaged and interested in your class. One of the things that I, I would like to point out about your classroom is that your kids and, and your classroom is always known as one of the better behaved and your classroom management is phenomenal. And you do a very good job at showing respect to the students and getting kids to give respect back. Of course, I'm sure you've had your difficulties like, like everyone has had and you know challenges when it comes to behavior, but when it comes to that, especially us being in New York City, I think that we're dealing with um, a lot of kids and you know unique situations and a lot of different circumstances. So we have a great population to draw from and um, and experience. So, you know, why why or how do you think you've been able to do that or to have that kind of classroom management? Have you always had that? Has that been something that? you've gotten better out of the years i personally when i went through school i liked a freer style i could self-manage myself where i didn't have to be told what to do all the time and get in trouble um the idea of bureaucracy stifles creativity mm. was for me um but when i was teaching i found that it depends on the students and some students I don't say require, but they really want that structure where the room can be quiet enough for them. And, and I think one of the ideas I started researching and reading books about it. And one of the ideas that sticks with me is that um, it's important for everyone in the room to have the chance to learn and students who are being quiet or aren't as loud or as um, uh, forward still deserve to have an environment in which they can learn. So we, we constantly talk about that idea. You know, another student might be outgoing and, and maybe has different right. needs. They express themselves by, you know, responding quickly and they don't realize that they have to give a chance to their classmate as well. So we, we talk about that often. We talk about the idea, listen, I love that you're answering these questions, but give your classmates a chance to think about it. And we're constantly kind of massaging that it's almost like working on dough, you know, we're trying right. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, some kids will say, Oh, you should be, you should yell. They'll say, you know, you never yell. And I, and they'll say, you should yell. Cause then they'll stop. This one will stop. And he said, well, like there's no yelling. We don't yell, right. you know, we don't he could yell. yell, but I'm not a yeller. Um, maybe many years ago it would slip out, but not anymore. You know, <laughs> now I understand a little more and I can work with that. So that's important to so me. How, how do you establish that? How do you create that environment? It's just a constant working thing. You know, I think the challenge is, is that students, some students want attention and academically they're not there yet and they've kind of struggled. So they've learned to get that need fulfilled by acting out. So if I act out, I kind of like, cause you could get attention for a positive thing or you can well, get attention for a negative thing, right. but either way it's attention. And if I have a need to be seen, I'm going to do what I can do. And these students don't mean to be negative, but it's just a learned behavior. That's how I look at it. I could be wrong. They could be devious, right? They could be like, no, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I, I think they'll act out, but they don't realize the problem with them acting out. Listen, if we were in a room, we had all the time in the world, act out, you know, because we'll get past that. I get it. But you got 20, 30 other students in the room and we have to move forward. So sometimes, you know, we'll talk about that. We'll say, look, 
you know, trying to give them attention when they do something right. And, and then they'll feel, Being I think they'll feel it. They'll feel like, oh, wait, you know, I don't need to do this. Like my field, I, I just don't feel the need to act out negatively, you know? So, so being mindful of the fact that most kids are going to want attention and that's not a bad thing. Everyone in some way, shape or form wants to be seen. Like you said, they like the, the things they want to be involved, but they, you know, in a, in a technical subject, they may not have the opportunity to show, to get that attention. Right. If you're far behind in the idea of, of a mathematical skill, what are you going to do? It's hard hard unless the environment is really nurtured and and set up in a way for you to show you your vulnerability right how am i going to say you know i'm a junior in high school and i struggle with uh, division of simple numbers you're gonna like kids will laugh at you right right. and i think that is a challenge we didn't address you know but it's there we we've all been in school right the the kids there's the the dynamic between kids growing up it can can be a little tough right definitely so we have to create that environment. And um, at the same time, I think it's, it's responding rather than reacting because we want to say, hey, you, that's enough. But honestly, maybe they just have to get it out for a second. It's not the end of the world. But later you got to talk with them, say, hey, listen, you know, I, I, I'm happy that you're, you're interested, but this is what we're working on. And just, just keep doing it over and over again. Or you could just be really tough. And, and right. that's not me, but, but some people got that. You know, they're very strict and it's just like, boop, boop. What, you know, right, right. But I was gonna say that that's that's not my style either. My, my style. I think it's okay for the students to experience that, but in our system, we also have they'll they'll see that side of people and they'll they'll get it. They don't take it personally, but then they get to see other teachers like you, and they could work with you, and that's the benefit of, I think, of the the school system as well. That that's that's a good point. So, so you're saying it's, it's good that kids do experience that different type of system within the classroom, within, within the bigger system. So the small systems within the bigger system. Yeah, you might love it. You might love right. the teacher giving, um, you know, rewards and it uh, has like a, a, a point system and, um, and you respect it and you understand if I do this, I'm going to gain a point. You know, you might love that. But then some other students like me in high school, I never, le- I never loved that. I, I just felt like I could control myself. And I wasn't always controlling myself, but I wanted that freedom. Um, Right. Yeah. So so now, so now you as a teacher, something I always think about when it comes to us as teachers, I forget who it was, but one of our coworkers said to me that teaching is a lot like stand-up comedy in that you, you don't have your voice right away and that you eventually find your voice, you know, like maybe, like five to eight years in and that, and that you might not totally have or be confident in your voice or, and and not just um, like your tone or how you sound, but in what you're saying and why, right. So like to the point where I know what you're doing right now, (laughs) you're calling out the fact that I'm speaking so loud and acting like, no, 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 not not at all. Not that's at all. the teacher fault. That's the problem. No, it ruins no. relationships, Mike. It ruins relationships. No, no, no. I could just talk to me. Wait, wait, what'd you just say? I'm not one of your students. <laughs> oh. No, no. Yeah. No, so like, so, so, I, so that analogy struck me because I, I love stand up comedy and also because I'm a new teacher and I, ha- I haven't gotten to that 
benchmark yet of years where that person said, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but it gets me excited to just think that I'll continue to develop as a teacher and see that growth over time. So I don't know if, if you felt something similar or if you felt like, you know, it took five years or, you know, like if there is a certain point or it took a certain mindset in your head to eventually feel comfortable with a classroom or standing in front of a classroom, setting the tone and, you know, creating that small system within your classroom. Yeah, it's been um, definitely ups and downs as far as, you know, getting to a point to be clear of, of how you want to be with the, with the students and, and it grows, right? So you, you learn new things you start to see more, you start to recognize the students who are having difficulties, you, you notice things and you kind of fine tune your craft. It, hopefully you want to do better. And with that, you start to read, you start to learn, you say, hey, you know what, I can actually make a difference here if I did this. And, and you, it does grow. So there is a lot of growth over the years for sure. And, yeah. and like you're saying, I guess it's, it's never ending like anything else. And, and that's why I love thinking about teaching as an art, like jujitsu or like any other form of expression, because it really is the way that you're facilitating or the way that we're facilitating or teaching um, really is an art. It's, it's, and, and that goes back to what you're just saying, where it's good for the kids to experience that different, smaller system within the larger system, because your system is your expression of who you are. Right. And, and right. I, guess, I guess I'm answering my own question in that my eventual voice as a teacher will be the expression of me. Um, but you have a voice already. And, and even as you speak with, to me, I'm teaching now for 24 years. I don't think of it in terms of, Oh, I've developed a voice. It's an evolving voice and you have one already as well. The students right. love working with you. You have a very good um, rapport um, ability to impact the students positively. So, you know, that is important to be clear about, you know, is, I don't think you reach a certain year and say, Oh, I really, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here now. And I mean, you're talking about it. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, he's right. That's true. And, uh, you know, and there's yes, a famous, so, so maybe, I guess maybe what I'm talking about, is it more comfortability maybe because I'm, I'm still at a point where at the beginning of the year, I'll sometimes feel a little, <laughs> not not on edge but just okay i have to get used to being i was just high. talking to a retired teacher who's a mentor of mine just a few hours ago and uh we were talking about how in jujitsu people are telling me i have to relax when i was skydiving people are saying you need to relax when i went to the indoor skydiving like, you have to relax i said i don't know how to relax i don't <laughs> want to relax like what are you talking about and then he was saying that it's the fight or flight thing you know it's like a human thing and even though he taught for 30 something uh, something years every time in september he couldn't sleep the nights before work and then finally when he gets in the room it was a flow right a flow state but before that so what you're describing isn't probably gonna end <laughs> that's, that's the point <laughs> fantastic yeah so i guess i guess that's, that's just a reminder that we're alive then right yeah and the famous quote I, I like and it's uh it might be anonymous but it's uh i don't know who said it but it's if i were ever to teach if i ever was to teach it would be to learn more than to teach i love that yeah that was one of my early i think 
AIM instant messenger quotes. <laughs> nice. I remember those too. That was great. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think I had I didn't have ones that were uh, as intelligent as that. I think I had like you know BRB going to the bathroom. Yeah, none of my friends are. <laughs> I never uh, got compliments for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's uh, it's 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 interesting, and 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 I I, I love teaching now because I, I didn't have a good experience as a student. Not not that I didn't have a good experience. I just don't think that I I had uh, the the experience that I could have had, and I right. I, I disliked school. I, I was never interested in anything. So I guess where I try to find my purpose is like, you know, making that a, a fun or an, an interesting place uh, for kids to come and like, you know, to want to learn because I guess you have to be taught how to learn or you have to learn how to teach yourself how to learn. Um, I'm, I'm, you're, you're someone that definitely knows how you learn right? You've gotten in touch with how you learn over time. You, you can teach yourself, I'm sure, almost anything. I'm sure you can rattle off a couple of things that you just taught yourself, even roasting coffee, right? Most recently? Most recently, I've been getting into roasting coffee. We're going to develop a program at the school so the students will learn how to roast coffee and they'll understand the historical cultural ties right. from America and all that equatorial region across the world. Um, Africa, all these areas. We're getting in touch with the local farmers. We're going to get the cultural ties. I networked with a bunch of people at a awesome. at the uh, Specialty Coffee Association Boston Expo, where they want to speak to the kids. And they they do all the traditional. Um, you know, there's a in Burundi. There was a whole women's leaders kind of coffee farming that want uh, in group that wants to talk to the kids. Nice. It's, it's all the way from seed to cup and the, and the commodity behind it is big business and it's exciting. And we networked with um, real world business that imports, you know, beans. It's, so it's really cool. Um, yeah. I, that's, that's everything that we've been talking about. That's real world experience. That's something tangible. They're incorporating math, science, right? Um yeah, math, science, history, White House business, literacy, entrepreneurship. Uh, We're gonna get business to help with that. That that's that, incredible. Yeah. We're making a product. We we we're doing drone cooled coffee. Yes, <laughs> yeah, drone cooled coffee. Heard it that's here right. first. We roast it. We put it on the in the tray. We zip it up into the air and get a taste of the atmosphere. The world is the world's first drone cooled coffee. We did it. We had the the first delivery of coffee by a drone on campus, and we had the world's first. As far as I know, drone cooled coffee product. Carlos, <laughs> that is learning, man. That that is yeah. what I call learning. That is what I would call the educational experience. Yeah. If I, if I was a kid, I would I would um I would beg to be in that class. I, I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. What we have the first uh, drone classes, I think, in the city. We developed the program. We, we have. We we had the first ones. Yeah, yeah, years ago, and we did a whole big thing for the a bunch of city schools where they came and they all started getting interested in it. We did um, FAA Part One Hundred Seven training so the students can get their commercial license to fly drones. We had a student who jumped on that opportunity, so that's really cool. I didn't realize we were the first ones. Pretty, pretty sure. I don't think. Uh, I think we we are on the leading edge. Nice. <laughs> so, so we get to do unique things. Um, 
that's why when we asked earlier, when you were talking about how education is going, it's a, it seems to be unique experiences, even though it's within a system that is, is grandiose. When you have people who are interested in doing things, we can bring these things to the students. I was going to say, so it seems like we, I, I sometimes get discouraged thinking that we can't make much of a change within the big system that we're in, but we can really. Um, and, and you're proving that, especially with the class that we're talking well, about. Well, don't let people know. They might come and shut me down. <laughs> <laughs> because we're doing something good. Uh, well, there's a, there, is a, there is a war going on between public schools and uh, privatization of public schools. That's a whole other discussion. You know, there's the, um, the idea that uh, schools should be brought into the private sector. The, the money should be given to businesses to run schools. It's, um, it's a big thing. Oh, wow. So, so you mean to take funding away from public schools to put that into co- corporations? For profit. Yeah, for profit. For profit. Wow. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know where I stand on that. I, I don't, I guess I don't know enough information about that stuff to really make sense of it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. There's a lot there. And, and you know, the idea of competition could possibly um, be a good thing, right? You know, if you if the kids are performing, then maybe that school should keep getting funded. But there are very few success stories at the moment where charter schools and private schools are really doing the same thing that public schools are doing because we, we cater to everybody, right? We service any student with any need. While many charter schools will, cre- they call it creaming. If you, if you um, are acting out, you should go back to your public school. Like they'll get rid of you. Wow. Wow. No, that, that is some things that come up, you know. So, so do, but, you, do you think that we have a, a good system in New York City compared to others? Like, do you think that we're lucky um, in, in that case? Well, yeah, it's a tough question. I would say yes. I would say yes. Although systems are systems, and that's a whole other discussion, you know, the whether a system promotes, um, you know, true excellence and professionalism. Right inherently right yeah so I, I would venture to guess that us in new york city that we have much more funding than most other public school systems so because of that i would say that our kids do have access maybe to more resources um in, in a general sense than, than others which is um i mean good for our students we, we hope that all students have access to the same resources and hopefully that improves over time but yeah, so what we can do in the New York City public school system, I guess, is is cooler and more interesting than than what I thought. Well, we are fortunate because we have colleagues that enable us and and encourage rather than stifle these creative. Right. Yeah, the, the, uh, the school that we're in is is yeah. great. I, I always tell people that that I've always been encouraged to, um, you know, teach in in my own way and and to get creative. Uh, with with what I'm doing and um, everyone that we've worked with has has been very supportive in that too so it's been a a nice environment that is true yeah um Carlos we will uh we'll we'll wrap it up here for tonight I'm gonna end up thinking of a million other questions to focus this even more um this was we really could could dive deep into an idea and come up with potential solutions that could be a think tank i i i want to do that that's that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking of doing a, a like like a a deep dive into potential solutions 
We could. There is a lot there. There's a lot to discuss. It might be a little more technical. There is one thing that I did learn in doing meetings. And uh, I was a, a chapter leader for six years working for the union. And whenever we did a lot of meetings, we would say that you have to end every meeting with a, an action step. Okay. So there has to be. So I kind of think this isn't really a formal meeting, but we Let's should commit to an actual step. Yeah, so, so an actual step would be us planning what we're going to do next. It could be if that's what you're getting drawn to. Yeah, it let's do it. Getting a skydive. You need someone. If you need if you need someone to skydive with you, I'll definitely skydive with you. Um, or if if we want to come up with a solution, education based podcast, I could definitely do that too, or at least do another one. Okay, I was I was talking about something simple, actionable that you could say. <laughs> Both ideas are really good. Okay. Yeah. Nice and where are you now, by the way? I'm in but Baltimore. Baltimore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, Baltimore's pretty cool. We're we're in a pretty cool spot where there's a nice park and you could oversee the harbor. Um, yeah, it's pretty nice. I haven't had crabs yet. I, I heard it's known for its crabs, but yeah, maybe I'll give that a try tomorrow. All right. One time, one day we have to really get into nutrition too. I want to pick your brain on that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, so then, so then our, our actionable step, let's, um, I'll come up with questions or maybe we'll, we'll brainstorm questions together and then we'll, we'll do a, I would, I would like to do a solution based, uh, one with you where we come up with potential ideas and in, in how we can fix the problems that we see for education. For, for education and then and then we'll do another one on uh nutrition i would love to do another one on nutrition with you so we could do the educational uh, focus maybe it'd be a cool thing for newer teachers just to get a little encouragement and um and maybe some actionable steps we could definitely do that that'd, that'd be, be cool. great that'd be really cool yeah nice i Thanks, can keep bro. talking i just finished this coffee so forget it <laughs> <laughs> nice I'll, I'll leave it to you Nice. Yeah, no, I, I would have had another coffee to stay up a little longer, but I had a, enough cold brew this morning for probably three days. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate um, you asking me to speak with you. I'm excited for you and in, in your program and your podcast and all the growth and uh, ventures you've been doing in the last half year. I definitely am a fan. And yeah. Uh, actually the first time i ever did an interview online i usually turn people away i say no no <laughs> i know you you asked me to do it in person and and i would have done it in person with you if i was home um yeah especially you of, of all people um so maybe the next one we'll schedule for when i'm back home that'll, that'll be better. yeah that'll be even better now that i have my i have my cool microphone and um, and, and I know that you could probably help me with the audio too on that. You didn't ask what I'm sitting in, by the way. This is, I, this I, is I know I've seen your, your sound booth. Your sound booth is awesome. This is a whisper room. I, I got it so that, uh, I could do practice music and, uh, I don't have to bother my, my, uh, inability to sing. <laughs> you can do whatever you want in this little room. <laughs> I love the whisper room. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.